welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. We, uh, we live in very hectic times, busy times, and we're, uh, we're always thinking about financial well-being or health of family members. Maybe we're distracted by our cell phones. The call of this song is just to um, quiet our hearts so that we can hear what the Spirit of God is trying to work in us through His Word. Let's stand and sing the song together. Still my soul be still. in the um, letter to the Ephesians, if you want to find your place in Ephesians chapter 4, in the uh, BLI class a few weeks ago, I asked the question, who does the work of the ministry, the shepherds or the saints? Or I could have said the shepherds or the sheep, but uh, it's a bit of a trick question because in reality, both are true. Both are involved 
in the work of the ministry. And in fact, Paul, in the context here of Ephesians 4, uh, he's going to emphasize the each one and the each part of the body that uh, has a part in the building up of itself in Christ. And we see that the, the Lord is uh, building his church, just as he said that he would. He purchased the church with his own blood. He's redeemed us out of the bondage to sin and to Satan. And he's transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. As we saw last time in this uh, letter, in verses 7 through 10, Paul reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ has gone before us into victory. And he's uh, won the victory for us. And he's given to each one, he says, according uh, to his gift. He's given grace to each one according to his gift. And uh, God has a place for each one. And this... Uh, this last few verses here we're, we're looking at in this section are going to emphasize that working together that each one has. And so we're each to be involved in the ways in which God has equipped us, prepared us, led us, um, ways that um, we may not even be aware of right now, but God has a place for us and he has a work for us in the, the body and within the body of Christ to, uh, to serve him by building up the body, being involved in what he's involved in. Well, in verse 11, Paul will list five kinds of ministries which he gave to the church to equip them for this ministry. So let's look there uh, beginning in verse 11. We'll read a bit of the context here from Ephesians 4, verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped." When each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, this morning, I want us to look at these five ministries that he lists in verse 11 and their part in the Lord's plan for building his church. The first two that he lists there, the apostles and prophets, they were foundational to the formation of the church. Uh, earlier, if you remember back in chapter 2, uh, verse 19 and 20, there Paul uh, speaks of this foundational importance of the uh, 
apostles and prophets. He says in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So in comparing the church to a building, Paul says that the, the apostles and prophets are foundational to that work. And these individuals received revelation from God and communicated it to the people. That was their, that was their work or part of their work. And the, the foundation for the building of Christ then was the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also see that he gave to these individuals confirmation of the message they were communicating. They were given various signs and wonders and and miracles. And this would serve to authenticate to the people that the message that they were giving was truly from God. In other words, it wasn't just something out of their own understanding or out of their own imagination. Uh, This first word, apostles, here, it simply means one that is sent forth by another. And it's often used with a, a, a special commission or authority to represent another and to accomplish a certain work. Well, this word is in the scripture is usually used in its official designation of the 12 apostles appointed by Christ. And we see that Paul was included in that group as one that was saved and specially appointed by God to have this ministry to the Gentiles, apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, in, in Galatians 1, Paul also seems to include James in that group of apostles. Well, these, uh, these apostles were men who had seen the risen Christ and were commissioned directly by him. And so it was a very specific um, calling that, God had called them to, and it was a specific group of people. And because of this this uniqueness of this foundational stage of their ministry, the the church of God and the the revelation of God's word that they were involved in revealing to us, the apostolic ministry was not something that was just passed on to uh, a successor. It, it, It ended with them. And uh, we see Paul using this metaphor of the building also in 1 Corinthians 3 where he, where he lists them and he says, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, 11, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so he makes it very clear there that this is what he's talking about when he uses imagery of the foundation in a building. He's talking about the preaching and the, and the, the revelation from God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation that is in him. And uh, we know through Paul and others, the, the completed revelation of God's word was given to us. Uh, this this whole structure of the church that he describes is joined together in Christ. Uh, he is central uh, to the church. And, and there can be no unity that, as Paul describes in this 
in this chapter, the unity that we have, there's no unity apart from this foundational doctrine of Jesus Christ. Uh, his atoning death, his burial, his resurrection, those are all central truths that unites us all together in him. Well, as we said, because of the role and the qualifications of the apostles were unique, uh, when they died, there were no legitimate successors uh, to this uh, ministry that God gave there in the beginning, although there's some who want to claim that today. Uh, we see on three occasions in the New Testament, this word apostolos was, was used in its non-technical or, or in, a, in a general way as one who is sent with a task. Uh, twice it was used of men who were sent by a local church for, for a purpose. And in those cases, the word is translated messengers. Uh, but, but So you see this general use of the word as well. But it's normally used in its technical sense, or its, its application to those original disciples who became apostles sent by God. Some today claim to be apostles of God. In other words, implying that they have a direct authority from God. But this is our authority. The, the completed revelation of God. It is our authority. And, and we only have authority as we speak God's word. His written word. Uh, he, he's, not, uh, he's not given us authority based on our, our, our thinking or our feelings or premonitions that we get, um, regardless of how genuine or how uh, earnest we may be, uh, the, the Word of God, we must, we must keep driving ourselves back to the Word of God to, to know God's Word for us, God's truth for us. Well, secondly there, we notice the prophets, uh, they are like the Old Testament prophets of God and were spokesmen for God. And they also gave this direct uh, revelation from God to the people, and they spoke with authority from God. Uh, during this time period when God was revealing His Word and uh, up and through the, the completion of the New Testament Scriptures, uh, like the apostles, their ministry was foundational to this time period. And God was establishing this foundational truth of the Word of God. And most, most conservative scholars agree that this gift passed off the seam after the, the completion of the, the New Testament canon uh, of Scripture. Uh, one thing that's interesting to, to remember about the prophets, like the, like the Old Testament prophets, the bulk of their ministry was proclamation of God's Word. Uh, only a portion of a prophet's work was to, to receive and give new revelation from God. It, it, was, it was part of that work, but sometimes in our minds we hear prophet, we think that's all that they were doing. But, but no, they were also preachers and proclaimers of the revealed truth that had already been given. And they were reminding people and warning the people to listen to what God had already revealed. Now, Although there's some evangelical scholars who argue for the use of this term prophet today, they have a view that uh, the prophet today is, is not the same, or it doesn't have the, the same 
reliability or expectation as the Old Testament prophets, for example. Um, and so they, they, they see a change in uh, what a, a prophet uh, is today. But my view is that this is dangerous and misleading to, to talk about uh, a prophet with the implication that uh, there's not the same expectation of authority and accuracy that was required uh, in the Old Testament scriptures and in the New Testament, from my opinion, of what God was doing through these men. If you remember, um, he clearly identifies the Old Testament prophet as, as someone that you could identify by their accuracy. In other words, if, if what they said did not come about, then they were false and they were to be killed. And so that's a pretty strict, pretty, pretty uh, stringent requirement of the Old Testament prophet. And there's no indication that... Um, Anything changed coming into the New Testament with the work of a prophet. They spoke for God. And when you have someone who declares this is from the Lord, you better be accurate. I mean, it better be from the Lord. And so uh, I, th- I find a lot of what's happening today be very misleading, and very dangerous. The third word there you see is evangelist. And if you notice that all of these ministries relate to the proclamation of God's Word. The Word of God is, is central to, to not only the foundational stage, but to the subsequent building up of the body. Uh, so the centrality of God's Word is so important. The apostles and prophets, they gave uh, through revelation the Word of God. And the evangelists, they proclaimed the Word as it relates to uh, the need for salvation. And so we find this, um, this noun, the evangelist, only used two other times in the New Testament. But multiple times is the related words used. The verb to preach or to proclaim the gospel is used 54 times. And the related noun, good news, or the gospel, 76 times. So you see the, uh, the, the centrality of this work of in, in the process of building uh, of the body of Christ, the, the evangelism, the uh, evangelist, the, the pro- proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's, uh, it's central to the work that God did then and is continuing to do uh, now. In the scriptures, only Philip was called an evangelist. Interesting. But it's clear that many were gifted and were doing this work of an evangelist. Paul told Timothy, a pastor, uh, a, bit like a bit like a church planter in that day, to do the work of an evangelist. Um, but in reality, all believers are to engage in the communication of the gospel. But it seems that the evangelists were those that had been that were specially gifted to that work. And I, and I believe this is a, a continuing ministry that God gives some uh, individuals, particularly for the work of evangelism. And evangelists, they preach and teach and witness the gospel. But as verse 12 implies, they should also help equip others. Uh, they, should, they should help the other saints, the, the rest of the body, in the work of communicate, communicating the gospel and being effective in, in reaching 
of the unsaved with the truth of God's word. Well, as with these and other gifts, God often gives uh, an individual more than one gift. And so there's overlap of gifts. And we see that in these, uh, gift, these gifted individuals here. There's, there's overlap. For example, uh, you could say that Paul was uh, fulfilling all five of these roles in his ministry as an, as an apostle and a prophet pastor, a teacher, evangelist, he, he was doing all of those things and would, I would say he was gifted by God, especially in all of those tasks as well. And so you see this overlap. And these last two that's listed here, the pastor and, um, and teacher, uh, we see this overlap in ministries and they are, uh, they are, these two seem to be grouped together in Paul's list here. And if you think about the, the nature of the pastor, uh, is to teach. The, the nature of the work is to teach. Uh, but not all people who are gifted as teachers are gifted to be pastors. And, and so you see how that um, uh, these two are related, though, as you think about the work in uh, the church and the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, in verse 11, Paul makes a little bit of a change in his uh, list here. Uh, in verse 11, he uses the article before each of these except the last two. Notice he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And he seems to group those two together and, um, by the single article. And many believe that, or I should say most scholars believe that uh, he's doing that to refer to the, the one uh, ministry of the pastor, uh, but also the the need to teach as part or the giftedness to teach as part of that, and so uh, so some some argue that Paul is thinking of of two different gifts that have this over, overlapping function in the work of the local church. Well, this analogy of uh, the shepherd as someone who leads and cares for the people of God was very common. You think back, especially also in the New Testament, uh, and before that into the Old Testament, one of the notable things that come to our mind immediately is Psalm 23, right? Uh, when it's used of the Lord uh, as my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, the Lord would also speak to the spiritual leaders in Israel and uh, condemn them and admonish them because they were not being faithful shepherds. Uh, they had failed to take care of the people of God. You would often say that you feed yourself and not the people. In other words, they, they were not functioning as a shepherd would. And uh, Ezekiel 34, a long section dealing with this truth, and it's a prophecy against the shepherds of Israel because they had, they had failed to, to feed and take care care of the people of God. And in that passage, Ezekiel will, he will tell of a coming king that would be a, a faithful shepherd to the people. And in the end of that section, in verse 27, he says, my dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And you, you remember hearing that as Paul quotes that phrase to refer to the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God within us or with us 
uh, as the people, as his people. And, but ultimately, Ezekiel is looking beyond this time now to a future time when the Lord returns. He's going to establish his kingdom after his second coming, and he's going to physically be with us, and he's going to rule and reign as a good shepherd. And we see Christ speaking of himself in John 10 and comparing himself as the good shepherd to the false shepherds of the religious people of that day. And uh, we are to follow Christ as, as pastors. We, we are called to follow him in that example of being a, a shepherd to the people of God. In Acts 20, Paul brings several words together, three words actually, uh, that speak to the responsibility of the pastor. Not different people, but to the, to the role of being an elder or pastor. In verse uh, 17, he's, he's, he's speaking to the elders at Ephesus and uh, probably numbers of small churches there in Ephesus. And these elders have met together as Paul is, is getting ready to go back to, um, to Jerusalem. It's the last time he's going to see them. And he uses the word there to, to uh, describe them as elders, the presbyteros. It, it, it basically speaks to the fact that they are, they're spiritually mature to lead uh, the, the, the elders. And it's, it's one of those words that's also used in a non-technical way just to talk about older persons. The older people are, are presbyteros. But in, in this context, he's clearly using it to refer to the spiritual leaders of the church. Notice from verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. He's using this analogy of the shepherd and the sheep. He says, pay, pay attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, uh, episcopos. And uh, you hear in that word the, the, the episcopal church take their name from that word. It's sometimes translated uh, bishop. And, it's, and it's, the English word implies it's, it's the ministry of oversight to watch out for and to, uh, as, as a shepherd, you can see him standing on the, on the hill looking out for the sheep and making sure they don't wander off somewhere over a cliff or that the, the enemy uh, would come and steal them or a wolf or animal would come and devour them. And so there's this oversight. And he says, and to care. And that word there is poimeno. It's the same root as the shepherd or pastor. It's just in the, in the form here of action to, to, to care or shepherd the church of God. And he adds, and he says, which he obtained with his own blood. And so what Paul is doing, he's putting the weight of the responsibility upon their shoulders and saying, this is the people, this is the flock that the Lord died for. And the Holy Spirit has given you the, the responsibility to watch out for them and to care for them. And he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And so Paul 
he's uh, clearly using these different terms to refer to the same ministry. Peter will do the same thing in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 3. We won't take time to turn there this morning, but uh, he does the similar wording to describe uh, these different responsibilities of um, the work of a pastor. And in, in the context here, we see the, the responsibility to teach uh, is part of that. That's one of the qualifications of, a, of an elder or a pastor is that they're able to teach. Uh, obviously, God gives, gives some pastors more than others to be able to, to teach, but they all are to be able, to, they, they know the word, are able to communicate the word of God. Uh, that is central to the work. And the thought that you could be a pastor and not put an emphasis upon the, the teaching, the communication of God's word is, is a very strange concept. It's, it's totally strange, foreign to the scripture. Uh, it really brings us back to this main point again. Of, of all of these ministries that he lists here, they center around the, uh, the word of God and the being able to communicate the Word of God to the people, whether it's in foundational in nature or whether it's in the continuing building up of the body of Christ. It's the Word of God. The, the pastor or elder, he does, it's never referred to as his flock. It's very, very significant. It's always the Lord's flock or the Lord's people, the Lord's church. And as 1 Peter 5, 4 admonishes, we have a chief shepherd referring to the Lord Jesus Christ to whom we must give an account. It, it is his people, it's his church. And we, we are like the, uh, the underlings, the, the under shepherds. Uh, and it's a, the shepherd, shepherding was a very lowly task in that day. It was like the really looked down upon by society in, in many ways. Uh, to be a shepherd, and um, Paul is saying you're you're lower than that. <laughs> you're under the shepherd, <laughs> and so you have you have this job. And yet we also see the exaltation of this work as being of extreme importance and, and responsibility. So uh, that's how the Lord has intended for uh, these last two, as He's combined together the, um, the shepherds uh, or the pastor and the teachers uh, for the church. And obviously, God does gift other individuals to be involved in the ministry of teaching and the communication of God's Word in various ways, whether it uh, be formally in a, like a, a Sunday school-type class or whether it be teaching children or whether it, whether it be simply a one-on-one -on -one informal discussion of God's Word. God uses all of those ways in which we instruct, we teach, what well, God has taught us, and God does gift uh, us in various ways to be able to do that, and uh, some more than others, but we, we all are part of this ministry. Well, if you've been thinking that it's interesting to know about the work of the ministry, but it, it really doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm not a pastor, or not really feel like I'm gifted as a as a teacher or evangelist or any of those things. Well, you may be surprised by verse 12. In verse 12, we see a purpose statement for these ministers of the gospel. 
He says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there's three phrases there in verse 12, equip the saints, the work of the ministry, and the building up the body of Christ. And some have taken all three of these phrases to refer to the purpose of the ministers that's listed in verse 11. But most agree that as the context strongly argues for uh, the view that the saints here are to do the work of the ministry for or unto the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, as Paul is emphasizing um, the each here. And these, these uh, five ministries he's listed here are for the equipping of the, the people, the saints, to do uh, this ministry. And of course, ministers do the work of the ministry. Uh, they, they, they many times are have more time and more dedicated in the, their time commitment to that, and sometimes in vocationally. But the point is that they don't do it by themselves. Every Christian is in the ministry, in the sense that every Christian has a ministry to do for the Lord in the building up of His body, and so. That's the, the emphasis that Paul wants to, to make here. Evangelists, pastors, teachers are to equip the saints so that they are able to minister uh, to the body of Christ. One author writes concerning this word equipped here that he, he lists in verse 12, to equip. He says, it has the idea of making something adequate or sufficient for something or some purpose. In the Gospels, it was used of James and John mending their nets. In classical Greek, it was used to describe restoring a dislocated limb or setting broken bones in place. It also was used of furnishing a guest room to get ready for guests, end of quote. I remember uh, last year when uh, Sharon <clears throat> was uh, getting ready for... Um, Daniel and, and Kelsey and their children to arrive in South Africa. They were going to stay with us for a while until they were able to find their own place. And, uh, and so Sharon was, uh, was busy. She was uh, getting things ready uh, for them to stay with us in the guest rooms. And uh, she was on the, the Facebook marketplace and looking for stuff and, uh, and uh, wingback chairs for the the rooms and beds for the children and all these different things she was doing to get ready. What, what was all that for? It was, it was to equip the rooms, equip the bedrooms until everything was just right for their visit. Well, the Lord uh, wants his church to be equipped, prepared to do the work of the ministry. Christ gave these five groups in verse 11 for the equipping or the preparation of the saints and, and the purpose uh, of building up. And that is <clears throat> what he ends with there in, in the verse 12. He gives us the end goal of this ministry. He says the, the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, that's, that's the end goal that God wants to accomplish in his church. And so you and I, we need to be, that needs to be in our minds. How how can God use me? How can I be involved? And it doesn't have to be in big ways. It's in all the little ways as well 
our attitudes, our actions, our faults, our, whether it's a whether it's a meal that you prepare or whether it's uh, just uh, talking to someone to encourage them, uh, whether it's a visit or whatever it might be, and all the ways in which God has enabled us uh, to serve Him, we are to serve one another. And so we must fight the normal tendency to be all self-focused. And it's it's in our nature. It's it's just there. So we have to fight against that to to not just focus everything in on what is good for me, what helps me, and and to 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 buy into the Lord's vision, the Lord's plan for His church is that we are all each individually working together. He's given each one of us His grace. Uh, to to be able to work together to build up the whole. And we'll, we'll get into that as we, we look into these following verses. But that's God's, God's design. And as you think about the fact that the Lord is fully committed to His church, uh, think about how important is the church to Him. And then you ask the question, um, do I have a similar kind of attitude about the church? Am I committed to to the church. We should be as His children, as those that have been purchased out of the bondage of sin. God has raised us up and He's placed us within His body. We need to love that body. And we need to be involved in serving that body together in whatever ways that God enables us. Let's pray together. Thank You, Lord, this morning for Your Word. Thank You for reminding us again of Your purpose for what you're wanting to accomplish in your body, the church. We thank you for the price that was paid for us. Lord, help us as we're reminded again this morning that we are part of your work that you're doing. Lord, you could have sent angels and powerful beings that never fail, never get weak to do the work, but you chose to use us those that you have redeemed to do the work. And so help us, Lord. Help us to to depend on you every day, to draw from the provision that you've given us of your grace through your word, through prayer, through dependence upon you. Uh, Thank you, Father, for the Spirit of God who's dwelling within us, who is by our side to enable us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, Thank you for the, the living word of God that you've given us, Lord, to, um, to instruct us and to um, enable us, Lord, to know you and to, uh, to serve you. Help us in the understanding of your word and the use of your word in ministry. We thank you, Lord, for these blessings in Christ's name. Amen.